We're continuing in our Numanity series on the characteristics of a deeply repentant man, part two. You may be seated. What just happened is kind of a segue, literally, into this. Um, You can hear some of the principles of what you just heard as we were worshiping God and he was speaking to us. now, Now we're seeing it even more emphatically rooted in the Word of God. Um, um, Here we see that David is in a place that many of you are in right now. I know this is a men's message, but I don't know why it's hitting both, but that's just the way the Bible is. It's a two-edged sword. Amen, somebody. And so David here is doing something powerful for us. Uh, uh, He's repenting. (laughs) Let me say that again. He's doing something powerful. He's repenting. And, and, and repentance, if you allow it to be, will be one of the most refreshing things that you can experience. Uh, because repentance proclaims the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man at the same time. But the good thing about repentance is it doesn't leave a gap between the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. What Jesus does is he uniquely bridges the gap in a phenomenal, phenomenal way. So here, as we come into this passage and we continue in these characteristics of what it means to repent, i.e., change your mind about the way you think things should be and embrace God's way of thinking and God's way of doing things and turning emphatically to his direction. Amen, somebody. And so it brings me to my first point. If you are going to be a deeply repentant man Number one, you, you must be uh, desperate to enjoy the Lord again. You must be desperate to enjoy the Lord again. Uh, uh, David says that he says, let me hear joy and gladness again. This, this principle is phenomenal to me because, because I would have said, let me see joy and gladness again. But, 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 but David's sin had so buried him that he was unable to hear anything from a perspective of biblical enjoyment. Let me explain that. Joy is, uh, in, in, its, in its nature, thank you, joy means to be satisfied and happy with God. Not only satisfied with God and happy in him, but the ability to enjoy what he's created on his terms. So when you're properly enjoying God, you can enjoy everything based on how he presented it and created it originally to do. And so what happens is, is when you misuse God's creation by sinning, guess what happens? When you don't enjoy God's creation and him on his terms, guess what happens? Your ability to experience the joy of the Lord is blocked. And if you've ever walked with God any amount of time, if you've ever prayed and you felt the Spirit of God and you've sensed the peace of God and you've ever gotten the Word of God and, and, and you've got a clarity of insight from the Holy Spirit, if you've ever gotten around the people of God, you've had this sense of grand enjoyment. However, what happens when we sin is, is that when we sin and we're walking in an unrepentant state, what happens is, is our, our ability to experience the enjoyment of the Lord, we become desensitized to him. And everything becomes seen through the grid of our sin. And, 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 so, and so David says, uh, David, David is like, God, I, 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 I've been in a relationship with you for a long time. He said, and what's interesting is this, is David is not crying for relationship, he's crying for fellowship. Let me say that again, y'all gonna get it on the way home. Uh, He's not crying for relationship, because your relationship with God is sealed. 
But when you've walked with God and you've experienced his presence and you've enjoyed being with him, then fellowship, the, the loss of fellowship with God feels like you're dying. I don't know if anybody under my voice has ever been there. Where you've ever just felt like, God, if you don't show up, if you don't bring fresh springs to my spirit, oh my God, I don't know what I'm going to do. David says, I can't see anything. I, I'm, I'm in pain. He even says, it feels like my bones are broken. You, you, you ever felt the Holy Ghost convicting you so bad that you couldn't sleep? You ever felt the Holy Spirit convicting you so bad you couldn't eat? You ever felt the Holy Spirit convicting you so bad that you couldn't enjoy anything? Know what's so sweet about that is that means you're a Christian. <laughs> and, 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 and listen, because you understand that there's an absence of fellowship, that is a signal that you know God. Therefore, David, because of his knowledge of having been in a relationship with God, it says, man, something's missing. See, when you walk with Jesus, you know when something's missing. Listen, you know it. And so he knew exactly what it was. It was his joy. It was his satisfaction. He could eat and the food didn't taste the same. He could go into the breeze of the day and it just did. He had nice clothes. He had loot. He had a big bank account. But it all didn't feel the same because everything that God created doesn't mean nothing if God isn't in it. And that's why he said, God, restore it to me. Restore me my joy. I got a lot of things, but I need your joy. He said, I got some cute women, but I need some joy. He said, I got my money, but he said, my money's right, but I need some joy. He said, I got chariots in our day. It would be cars. He's, he said, but I need joy. Listen, without joy and the ability to hear gladness. In other words, when you hear good things, you're not walking in bitterness. He said, let me hear joy and gladness again. Why? Because sometimes when you're in sin and you hear about what the Lord is doing in somebody else's life, it's hard to hear it because of where you are. So he's saying, God, help me to be able to celebrate you again. I'm by myself because I know ain't nobody been in that. But David is trying to help us. He's saying all over again, help me to be satisfied with you, God. He says, let the bones you have broken rejoice. In other words, God, the exact place in my life where you've broken me. Help it to rejoice and be thankful. I'm getting ahead of myself. Oh, my God. Help me, Holy Spirit. But, but it's, it, the, the bones being broken is I, I like watching that show, uh, Ridiculousness, and, and that other show. What's the other show where they do stuff and on the bikes and stuff? Get hurt with? Scarred. Yeah. Me and my wife watch that. Now, now, it's a dude, you know what I'm saying? Now, the dude is on top of a house with skis. And I'm like, now, bro... What are you about to do right now? He gets on the top and he slid, slides down and his leg goes left. Bone looking out, it's like high. His bone is broken and he's bleeding and, and he's in so much pain. He's in a whole bunch of pain. Why? Because his bone got broken. See, David here is like that dude. He felt the ridiculousness of his sin. And the ridiculousness of his sin and the scarred nature of his sin say, God, I, the very place that you've dealt with me, the very place that you broke me because of my stupidity, help it to learn how to rejoice. Help it to help, help the very place in my life where you showed up and cracked and allowed me. Because sometimes the devil isn't your problem. Sometimes it's God himself. 
He didn't say the devil. See, some of y'all, I rebuke the devil and all that. Now, some of it is not, the, it's a appropriate time to rebuke the devil, but David isn't rebuking God. He's asking God to change the place where he's hurt him the most. Because God hurts his people deeply to discipline them, to love and jo- have joy all over again. And so David says, let me see it again. Let, the bo- let, let, me, let me worship again. <sighs> he said, and this is what I like. He says, hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. This is interesting. Hide your face from my sins means forgiveness. Blot out my iniquities points to the fact that he not only got forgiveness, but he got cleansed from the thing that he was forgiven of. Why is that important? Because you can, if you have forgiveness without cleansing, you're not, you're the, you're not the, you're, you're, you're the same. In other words, forgiveness means I won't count that against you, but if you're not cleansed, then God hasn't changed you in your ability to no longer walk in what he forgave you of. And so, so, so that's why he says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to first what? Forgive us of our sins, then what? Cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So forgiveness and cleansing are two different things, but they work together so that we can be different than we were before. I wish I had some help. I'm glad I'm in Jesus. I'm glad I got an advocate with the Father that not only gives me forgiveness through the cross, but cleanses me of all unrighteousness, both, both positionally and practically, and then eternally. Somebody needs cleansing today, but you got to admit it. <laughs> then he goes further, and this is beautiful right here. I love it. He says, create in me a clean heart. Now, this, listen, let me tell you something. You have to understand, this is innovative talk here. I, 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 you know, I, I, I call this prophetic wishing, if you will. Because just, just bear with me for a minute. There is nowhere in the Bible where David can theologically know that God creates new hearts. He has to, that has to be revealed to him. Listen, he's so hurt in his sin, he knows that it can't just be only forgiveness and cleansing. He needs an overhaul. See, 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 some of, oh my God. See, some of us want to get out of the consequences of our sin, but not be changed to not sin anymore. See, now creating me a clean heart, the word create there is bara, which is the same word used in Genesis 1. Now, it, it could mean two things here, or both, maybe double entendre, I don't know, but, 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 but just bear with me a lot now with a little foolishness. Create can mean David is asking God to take the old heart out of him and do what he did in Genesis 1, because he knew it by heart. He may be asking God to bara ex nihilo. In other words, to create out of nothing a brand spanking new heart. In other words, this heart is no good anymore. I'm sick of my heart, God. Listen, you got to get to the point in your life where you're sick of your heart. Listen, the heart is deeply wicked and sick. Who can know it? And he said, he said I don't even know if this is possible, but, but I know all things are possible with you. This is innovative prophetic thing. And Paul, David says, give me a new heart. That'll fix it all, God. That'll fix it all. Or he could be meaning, God, with the heart that you've given me, clean it out. And he wants three areas to be dealt with. It's three areas of his heart that he wants dealt with. Number one, he wants changed reasoning. Number two, he wants changed inclinations. And number three, he wants changed actions. Now, 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 now let's break this down. Can, will y'all bear with me for a second? 
Change reasoning is he wants his value system to change. Oh, man. See, because the sin boils down to this. Sin boils down to you no longer valuing God's word. That's what it boils down to. And sin, when you don't value God's word and what he says, then what you're saying is, God, I'm more innovative than you. And so, and see, and see, and see, because I'm more innovative than you, I want to use what you created how I want to use it versus use it in the way that you redeemed me to use it. And so he's saying, God, and he's, this is prophetic praying. Because why? God wasn't changing minds like he does in the New Testament based on Romans 12, 1. Why? Because he's asking for a renewal of his mind. In other words, get rid of stinking thinking. Now, I know many of you don't believe you got some stinking thinking, but some of y'all, if you really boil down to it, if, you're, if your mind can be a book in every area of your life of what you think about God and it was laid out, God will lay out hermeneutically your values. And some of us in our spirit believe folk tales, not the scriptures. And because we believe in folk tales and sayings, we don't believe the Bible. Therefore, we value other things because we want to be practical. And so what happens is, is we like practical results that doesn't necessarily root itself in Jesus, but in what works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me, let me see if I can make it plain. I, I, I was talking to a couple one time. And, and, they, and, and, and they were talking about getting married. And I said, that's great. And, and, the, and the lady was like, we, we want to live together first. And I said, talk to me about that. So I, I didn't even say it was, I just said, talk me through that. She said, well, you know, you got to test drive the car before you buy it. I said, hmm, now you're a Christian, right? Oh, yeah, hallelujah, praise God. I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So where is this coming from? Well, I mean, I've just seen in my experience some of my friends married and they didn't like what they married. And they realized that they didn't marry the right person. Well, let me tell you something, baby. If you married the wrong person, they're now the right person. Somebody gonna get that on the way home. But let me just tell you something, men. Men, let me, let me tell you something right now. Listen, you need your value system changed. You were born alienated from the life of God, wanting to do your own will. But when you become a believer, we don't just make up stuff. So David is saying, I want your values, God. I want your values, but then, but see, some of us like the value part. Oh, I can get theologically excellent. You know, I can argue this point. I can blog. So wait till I get on Facebook with this new information. <laughs> I'm a wreck cats, right? But David not only wants the value because many of us want value without inclination. Now, 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 now his changed inclinations, it, it just points to his passions changing, his desire for God changing. Why? Because, because information without transformation leads to constipation. And so because of that, and so because of that, we need changed values, but you can't walk in the changed values until you like the values that you're given, which gives you the affections, not for the values, but the God who gave the values to you. Let me see if I can make it plain. Second Peter chapter one, don't turn there. Verse four, it says, add to your faith, moral excellence. Some translations say virtue. That word virtue means the ability to commit to a standard. 
Right after that, it says, and add to your virtue or moral excellence, knowledge. Knowledge is the biblical information that informs the standard that you've been empowered to walk in. So now, what God does through the gospel is he transforms our ability to think like Christ. Why? Because 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16 says what? We have the mind of Christ. However, you don't, even though you have the mind of Christ, you don't have the informational values of the mind of Christ. That's why you got to hide the word in your heart that you might not sin against him. But you also have to have Psalm 1 where it says, I delight in your law. Now, you can't just implant the word. you got to delight in the word. David is saying, God, help me to like your values better than mine. But then not only does he go there, he wants changed actions because some of us are worshiping. Oh, God, I bless your name. Hallelujah. 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 And we stay there and then walk out of here and act like a fool. Oh, my God. Help me. Help me. I ain't trying to mess up your worship. I'm trying to help your worship. Listen, listen. See, you have to have changed values, changed inclinations and changed actions. David is asking for full serving, full service kingdom nutrients. Let me say that again. Somebody should tweet that. Full service, kingdom nutrients. In other words, he's asking for holistic overhauling of his heart. That's what you need. And there's no other faith in the world that promises comprehensive shalom of every area of your life. David is asking, God created me a new heart. But what's so beautiful about being in Christ is Ezekiel said in the new covenant, we get a new heart. So the issue is, David was wishing for a new heart, but in Christ, you got one new heart. So if, so if we better off than David, based on when we were born after the cross versus before the cross, how much more should we be? I got to move. I'm getting too crazy in myself right now, but I'm just excited that the gospel makes you new. I'm excited that the gospel makes us new. I'm excited that my mind can change. I'm excited that my inclination, because let me tell y'all something. I got issues. Okay, y'all, y'all, oh, I said it. The pastor has issues. I'm trifling. I confess with my mouth and know in my heart that I'm a mess. Because of that, I need him. So I don't see somebody, oh, you know, I've been walking with God for five years and I ain't sinned if I, you're a liar. No, I sinned yesterday and this morning. This, before I preached, I was asking God for forgiveness of my sins, not because I'd be empowered to preach, but because I need fellowship with God. I'm a mess and I need him. And I'm so glad that the gospel, that the good gospel, oh God, I feel the Holy Ghost, has provided for me the ability to have renewed life. I'm not wishing for new life. I'm not wishing for new life. I got new life. You got new life if you know the Savior. And that's the beautiful part of being in Jesus Christ. You don't have to put stuff on your wish list about this. David puts out his wish list, but we have a this list. We, we already in it. I got to move. I got to move. Help me, God. I feel the Holy Ghost moving in this place right now. Listen, he said, create in me a clean heart. I like the oh God on the back because that's worship. He said, oh God. He's like this. He's like, oh God. See, he's not just saying create in me a clean heart. Boom. He wasn't like spitting. Nah, he was like, creating me. This is how he was, creating me a clean heart, oh God. Then he goes further. See, because you can have a renewed heart. But he said, renew the right. Oh man, if I had time to talk about this word right. The word right 
I was blown away by what it meant in the Hebrew because the English doesn't do it any justice. The word right here means to establish, to prove secure, to be properly arranged to submit to God. Wow. <laughs> he's, he's saying, I, I don't, he said, I want the new heart, but I want the right spirit. What he's asking for is, he, I want my disposition, I want to be rooted in you. I don't want to be flaky. Going tossed to and fore by every wind, wind of doctrine. I want to be rooted. Now, what's beautiful about being in Christ is he gives you the ability to be rooted. Just as the cross was rooted on Golgotha's hill, so also your soul is anchored in the Lord. I got to move. Help me, Holy Spirit. Right means durability, meaning you can go through stuff and take a licking and keep on ticking. He says, God, help me to get hit, but stay holy. <laughs> help me get hurt, but lift up my hands. Help me to get wounded, but still worship. Oh, God, help me. <laughs> oh, man, help me to bleed, but still bless you. Help me, God. Help me, God. Help me, God. He said, renew the right disposition towards you in me. Renew it, renew it, renew it. See, you can't feel me today because some of y'all ain't decided that you're going to walk with Jesus. But I'm going to preach until somebody says, I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to live for him. And God, whatever you got to do to me to get me right, get me right. I'm talking as a sinful dude. I ain't talking as no big falutin preacher. I'm talking about a dude with issues that need the gospel just like you. I need him. Help me, God. But then he says, he says something interesting, which in principle, it's, it aligns with the New Testament. I know theologically this weirds us out. And he, say, he says something interesting. He says, cast me not away from thy presence, O God. He says, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Now, you have to understand, the Old Testament, everybody didn't get the Holy Spirit. There were only a few people that got the Holy Spirit. And the main people that got the Holy Spirit were kings. Now, David is spazzing out about the Holy Spirit for a particular reason. Because David remembered when Samuel came to his house and he didn't even know what was going on. He was outside tending sheep. And there was a horn of oil in the, in the prophet's hand. And, 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 and the best people in the house were put before Samuel. And God said, not him. Not him. Not him. Are there any more? He says, because God looks at the heart, not at the appearance. He said, well, I got one more son, but he tends sheep. He's like the youngest. And so he said, bring him in to me. And the Bible says, as soon as David stepped in, hallelujah, the Bible says that he says, that's my man right there. And David remembered that God poured oil, he had him pour oil on his head, and the oil, he was dirty from outside. So you got to get the, you got the dirt mixing with the oil. Somebody ought to feel the sniffing of the atmosphere of the text. He smelled like animals. He smelled like feces. He smelled like, but he got anointed in the midst of his dirt. He anointed you in the midst of your. I got to sit down for a second. 
y'all hear that? <laughs> oh my God. I, 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 I don't even want to preach no more. Woo! Woo! All right, I got to move. It's not good, okay? That's good. Mm. God is good. He anointed you in the midst of your dirt. I got to move. I'm trying to move. God, help me today. I'm trying to move. Dang. Oh, yeah. So, David remembered that day. And he dealt with a bear later. He dealt with a lion later. He dealt with Goliath later. He dealt with a lot of stuff that it took the power of the Holy Spirit to get him through. And because he remembered Saul, God took his spirit from Paul, Saul pointing to the removal of his anointing as king and removal from his intimacy with God. We, we're sealed by the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1.14 in the New Testament. However, sin interrupts our intimacy with God. David is begging for the Holy He said, God, he said, you promised me some promises that were bigger than me. You promised me house, throne, and kingdom in 2 Samuel 7. And God, I need you to continue your legacy because you said Messiah was going to come through me. Don't cut me off and utterly push me out. God, keep your Holy Spirit on me and keep me intimate with you, even in the midst of my mess. God, I remember you anointed me when I was dirty, and I'm still dirty, and I still need that anointing on me right now. I got to move. See, some of y'all have never been desperate for God. Some of y'all have never really been desperate for God's presence. Even though you don't lose your salvation, you should never lose the desperation and become stagnant in your thankfulness that the gospel has given you God's presence forever. Don't you ever take for granted God's presence. I got to (sighs) move. I got to move. Where was I at? All right. He said, restore to me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. I like that willing spirit. Willing spirit is deep. Willing spirit, the word willing means free will offering. Free will offering is what you give when there's no, nobody asked for offering, nobody passed the basket. Just because you're thankful, you gave. God is, David is saying, God, in the midst of the discipline for my sin, Will you help me to be willing to deal with the temporal consequences of my sin and still walk with you? See, just because you're forgiven does not mean that consequences don't continue. Because consequences are a viable reminder of your need for God. And it's it's the Holy Ghost saying, don't do it again. And David got so hype about that thing, which brings me to my next point the repentant desire to minister to others in similar circumstances. He says, God, if you forgive me, I'm going to make some vows. This is good. Please ask these five vows. He said, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn to you. He's basically saying, God, if you forgive me, I'm going to preach like a madman. He said, I vow that when I get the microphone to preach, I'm going to put my foot on the podium and hold my handkerchief back and squall the glory of God. 
Know why? Because, because David says, I'm going to help somebody get some detours from their stuff because I don't want them to go through what I went through. But see, some of us want people to go, oh, if I went through it, you got to went through it, go through it. And shoot, I ain't go through all of that to give all that away for free. Man, I got to, no, listen, David said, I'm going to do evangelism and I'm going to make disciples. Because when God has cleansed you and transformed you, you are hungering to see lives change and lives transform because you don't want to see people going down the same path. Some of y'all, God has healed you to be a help. Listen, some of y'all are sitting on a ministry of God, the the very thing that God allowed you to go through. Some of y'all went through divorces. Some of y'all went through deep promiscuity. Some of y'all have dropped out. Some of y'all in too much debt. Some of y'all in too much debt. All types of, God is saying, when I heal you, I want you to teach somebody else and not make the same mistake you made. Because a repentant person likes to see other people do well. I got to move. I got to move. I got to move. This is too much. Uh, Let me move. I'm going to save verse 15 for last. Now, let's go down to my last point. It says, a deeply repentant person defines himself by his brokenness. Look, 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 look at verse. Uh, he's, look at verse sixteen. He says, "You will not delight in sacrifice, or I will give it, because I got money, God. You will not be pleased with burnt offerings, because uh, because obedience is better than sacrifice." He says, "The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart." you will not despise. Wow. So David, David is saying, brokenness is what you like. Now, 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 many of us are looking at what in the world is brokenness. Y'all remember I preached on brokenness here. I'm going to lay some of that out real quick. Stay with me. Brokenhearted in this passage is a powerful idea. Brokenhearted means to be shattered, crushed, maimed, devoid of arrogance, wounded, contrite, injured, smashed, grieved, distressed, crippled, wrecked, demolished, fractured, handicapped, and disabled. Brokenness is the spiritual state by which one is disarmed by one's self-dependence and pride. Therefore, becoming a conduit for the glory of Christ. Let me say that. Therefore, being a conduit for the glory of Christ. In other words, brokenness is a deep sense of surrender and knowing that nothing in your life you deserve. Brokenness is David in 2 uh, Samuel 15, when, you, when the bull was out there saying, uh, you know, cursing him on the road. David got a battalion to cast with him. You know what I'm saying? Dude is like, dude is like, curse David. Ah, look at you now, David. Your son got you. Huh? He took the cater from high five and his boys. It's like dudes on the block looking at him. Look at you now, Bama. You a bum. Look at you. That's why you did that to Saul. Look what happened to you. <laughs> Look. And, and then Joab said, he put a, he said, let me, let me cut this dog. In other words, it's the equivalent today of let me bust a cap in this Negro. <laughs> and David says, hold up. You know what? I'm king and all of that, but. God could be rebuking me through him. Let me, maybe it's the Lord rebuking me because of my sin. See, even though he was forgiven, he knew that there were consequences. But then later he said, but 
the Lord isn't, I'll be king again. See, when, when, when you're broken, you don't think you deserve to be treated right. You don't, you don't deserve anything. The gospel showed you that. The centerpiece of the gospel is Jesus got what we deserved. You don't want what you deserve. So stop walking around talking about what you deserve. You don't want that to be on the table, dog. You do not want that to be on the table. I got to move because y'all getting sleepy on me. But I'm just telling you right now is that God, if he give you what you deserve, you'll spend eternity away from God. But thanks be to God for Jesus Christ who died on the cross. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself. I got to move. See, brokenness makes you open to God in ways. That's why he can't despise it. He can't de- why? God is attracted to humble people. He's opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He's opposed to people that think they got it right. He's opposed to people that depend on their knowledge. He's opposed to people that depend on their life. He's opposed to people that depend on other people. He's opposed to people that depend on their wealth. He's opposed to people that depend on a pastor. He's he's opposed to people that depend on their clothes, their buildings, their looks, their beauty, their ugliness, their fineness, whatever you got. He does not want you to depend on anything but him. That's what it means to be in Christ. When the song says, I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all, all to Jesus, my blessed Savior, I surrender all, which brings me to my last point. A, a, a repentant person, a deeply repentant person decides to worship God for their restoration. Oh, let's go to verse 15. He says, he says, he says, listen, verse 14, he says, deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, <coughs> O God of my salvation. He says, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and open my mouth and, and, and my mouth would declare your praise. See, you know you're forgiven when your arms are taken off lockdown. What do I mean by that? When you're forgiven. And you know how bad your sin was, and you know how far off you were, and you know how you lost your mind, and you were way away somewhere where you ain't had no business being, and you were way in the darkness on the outskirts of evil, walking with the devil, talking with the devil, living with the devil, doing what the devil said. But what happens is, is when Jesus walks in there to your mess and comes gets you out of it, he says, those who are forgiven much are thankful much. See, a restored person who's been repentant and and knew how bad they were, when they are restored by God back to a place of a clean heart, a right spirit, joy of their salvation, what they begin to do is they say, I can't believe it. I'm new now. I'm in a different place. How in the world did I get there? But I want to lift my hands right now and I want to thank God. Why? Because God didn't let me die in my sin. He didn't get rid of me. He didn't close the door of grace to me. He didn't close the door of mercy to me. And listen, when you know that, you worship. That's good old-fashioned. Country wood floors is about to 
break open a, 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 a buckets in the bottom of the church, a, a water leaking down with only an organist and, and a tom and a drum and a half of a bass drum. Old folks with varicose veins clapping their hands, blessing God. Why? Because you knew what evil you did. You knew how far you were gone. I'm sorry I'm hollering so much, but you're talking to a forgiven man. You're talking to a... And when you have been forgiven, you can't help but stand to your feet. When you've been forgiven, you can't help but open your mouth. When you're forgiven, you can't help but lift your hands. When you're forgiven... You can't help but run. When you're forgiven, you can't help but bless them. When you're forgiven, you can't help but sing. When you're forgiven, you can't help but live right. When you're forgiven, you can't help but tell somebody about the goodness of God. When you're forgiven, you say, thank you, Jesus, for the blood. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me? whole again. Nothing, 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 nothing but the blood of Jesus. It goes from the highest of high to the lowest of lows. It, it, it goes to the gutters. It goes to the college campus. It goes to the shower. It goes to the bedroom. It goes to the block. It goes to the deepest sea. It goes to brokenness. It goes to hurt. It goes everywhere. In closing, in closing, had water issues on the wall in my basement. And I, I was asking the guy, I said, why, why do we got so many water issues? He said, well, the nature of a liquid is it can't stay boxed up anywhere. Liquid, unless contained, has to move. Oh, I wish I had some help. The blood of Jesus is so powerful that it can't be held back from washing every area of your life. It likes to move. And guess what? It likes to move on the worst of people by faith. By faith. If you trust him, he'll come right where you are. Listen, none of y'all are too far gone to not be washed because the washing was made for dirty people, not clean people. <laughs> I'm, I got to go. I got to go. I'm just trying to tell you, I'm just trying to tell you, man, Jesus didn't die for those who are clean. He died for the dirty. And guess what? I'm one that has been cleansed. What's good about Christ is you are cleansed but guess what he does? He continues to cleanse you. Father, maybe there's somebody here today that needs your cleansing power and don't know you as Savior. Father, someone that needs to trust you as Savior, trust you as Savior today, will you bring them to yourself? Is anybody here today and you haven't trusted?